When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another version of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It's Doug Maurice, it's Ashley Bastock, and it's Scott Patsko. And we're doing something a little different on this Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We've done this on Buckeye Talk a few times. We call it What You're Watching, What You're Eating. And we'll do some football early. But really, the tease is at the end. Scott, Ashley, and I will each talk about something we've been watching, whether it's a movie, whether it's something on a streaming service, whether it's, I don't know, what's the thing where it just comes into the box, like regular TV, I think it's called. They still have that. There are shows on that. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're binging something. And then we'll talk about something we ate. Maybe it's at a restaurant, something that we're cooking, something that we love, something that we hate. People, I'll tell you, Scott, I found over time what binds people, three things that bind people, football, watching stuff, and eating stuff. So I hope we're bringing people together here. Sometimes you do all that at once, right? (laughs) Look at that. (laughs) Yes. Scott's right in the mode with it. I was eating while I was watching and it was football. Um, But we will start with some football talk. We'll do something on the Browns and then we'll do something from a little bit of a bigger NFL perspective. And Ashley, this is something. And again, you guys know I'm still catching up a little bit on everything. I don't know how much this has been a conversation piece around the Browns. But I have been thinking about whether when you're building something as an NFL team, how much more satisfying is it to the fans and the franchise? Mostly the fans, I think. If your quarterback is homegrown and that you drafted him and he grew up with you and then he became something versus did you sort of bring in a guy fully formed who kind of got you over the top? Now, listen, the Rams just won the Super Bowl, bringing a guy in fully formed who got them over the top and they're not sending back their Super Bowl rings. I don't think Tampa Bay was like, I don't know about this Brady Super Bowl. Does it feel real? <laughs> right. So, so right. That's I, I understand that this is just in my head a little bit. I don't know how much you guys have discussed it. I don't know how much this is at the forefront of the minds of Browns fans. I think it's a part of the Baker Watson situation and all the other Deshaun Watson stuff aside, Actually, for a team like the Browns, is it is there some percent that it's a little more, it feels a little better when the quarterback came up all the way with your franchise? So I I kind of I think it's the answer can be both things, right? Like like you use the example of Tampa Bay. I don't think they're like, oh no, like that wasn't real because we didn't draft Tom Brady. Like I think when you find success, there is joy in that. But I do think it's a different kind of joy when you especially if it's a front office who has been there for a long time, drafts a guy and it pans out. Like you didn't waste that draft pick or or at least there's not the perception that you wasted that draft pick. And it just kind of shows, I think that from top to bottom, things are working for you as an organization, right? Like you can identify that talent. You can identify why it fits with what you do as a team and you develop that person. So like you think of a guy, like I think Josh Allen in Buffalo is like a great example of how people in Buffalo feel about him. Of course, Joe Burrow hasn't been in Cincinnati as long as Josh Allen has been in Buffalo, but that's another guy who was drafted by a team and found success pretty quickly. I do think it is different um, when you draft that guy and they find success, but at the end of the day, I don't know if it really matters. Like if you're going and you're winning a Super Bowl, uh, you're winning a Super Bowl. (laughs) Like, I don't know if like you're saying, Doug, people are necessarily caring as a fan base, like, oh, we did this with a guy that we picked up in free agency or traded for versus we did this with a guy we drafted. But I think for maybe the front office people, like that is an extra like point of pride when it is a guy you drafted and you find that success. What do you think? Scott? I think it's, I think it's something you don't realize you want until you have it. Like, yeah, getting Tom Brady or uh, anybody else you bring in from somewhere else and you have great success with that person. That's great. And no one's ever going to kind of send that back. But like the, the ultimate goal is to, to find that guy yourself. You know, uh, the Golden State Warriors in basketball, um, they they found those guys themselves. And well, you know, before 
whole Kevin Durant fiasco. Well, but for the most part, well, these fiasco are players, that led to two titles. But yes, that's yes. <laughs> and they ain't giving those back. Right. Um, but look at like the Browns quarterbacks, uh, the, the most revered and legendary names. Right. Brian Sype. They drafted him. Otto Graham. They didn't draft him so much as they just got him when they created the team. And then obviously Bernie Kosar. You all know that story. Um, Baker Mayfield, more recently, uh, a draftee, a guy who. People don't mention a lot in that group, a guy who a lot of Browns fans might not even know who he is. I know for a fact that I've gotten comments and emails admitting the fact that they did not know who this guy was many times as I've written about him. Frank Ryan, who won the last championship for the Browns, did not start his career with the Browns, was very highly ranked on many passing leaderboards for the Browns, but he's not. He's not up there with those other guys. Like Brian Sype, they drafted him in the 13th round. He didn't even get on the field for two years. Yeah. And then when he did, it was there wasn't really much to speak of until like a couple years after that. And then and he started to catch fire. And if he had been traded for and he still went out and had those seasons he did and he becomes an MVP, the, yeah, fans would have been happy about it. But there was something more about the fact that he had been a guy they identified and they, you know, developed him and he became something. And obviously same thing with Bernie Kosar. If you can get a guy who's from here. Oh yeah. You drafted. Oh, that's just like bonus points. But um, so I, to answer your question, I think it does at the end game, like Deshaun Watson comes here and wins a Super Bowl. That's great. A lot of people are going to be happy about that. Um, anybody they traded for comes here, wins a Super Bowl. They're going to be happy about it. But I just think it, it would mean a little more being a guy that they drafted themselves versus somebody they traded. And I don't, I think you have to experience that to really understand the difference of it. So I, I do think, and again, have, have we talked about this, this no, particular thing a lot? I don't okay. think so. No, okay. I, I don't think it's got a conversation. It's, it's a little grain of sand, a little grain of sand in my head. And I think it's some percent of what is happening with some people with the Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson thing that has nothing to do with anything else, right? That it's just, player X who was drafted and player Z who was acquired in a trade and given a huge contract after he was already good. I have an exercise that people can do instead of counting sheep. I did this last night as I was falling asleep and I went through the league and I tried to count who are the homegrown quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in the NFL and who are the guys that are not homegrown quarterbacks. And I got, I got to all 32 before I fell asleep. I think I wanted to, if there was one more division, I wouldn't have made it. I would have fallen asleep. So it's the perfect thing. It's like you're going Zach Wilson to a tongue of Iowa. Like it is very <laughs> relaxing. So I think it's 20 homegrown, 12 not. But when you think about the teams in the AFC that the Browns are competing with, right? That we this young crop of AFC quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, homegrown. Patrick Mahomes, homegrown. Lamar Jackson, homegrown. Joe Burrow, homegrown. Zach Wilson, homegrown. Josh Allen, homegrown. Tuatonga Bailoa, homegrown. Trevor Lawrence, homegrown. Ben Roethlisberger, gone now, but homegrown forever. And now maybe, maybe Kenny Pickett's going to be homegrown. It, now, Russell Wilson, not. And again, they will prep. The, you know, they're not going to not have a parade in Denver if they win a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson. So it's not everybody. But it does, when you think about Cleveland and you think about Jim Tomey and Manny Ramirez and Albert Bell. And I know Omar Vizquel started in Seattle, but man, he got here really early. He's practically homegrown. It's not like they added him when you're kind of a market like this. And listen, like in the NFL, there's not big market, small market because the parity is involved, but in sports in general, Cleveland's a small market. And I think especially in a small market, listen, Yankees fans, my gosh, they don't care. They will hate you until the minute they give you $900 million to put on their Jersey. And then they love you and expect to ring. Those fan bases, I think, are conditioned for that. The Dodgers are like, can you just please tell us who your best player is and we'll sign him as a free agent, right? <laughs> All these teams who are after Juan Soto, now that the, he's, he turned down a deal with the Washington Nationals and everybody's lined up, no one's going to turn that down. But I think in Cleveland, you're a little conditioned. I think it's why people are super fired up about the Cavs right now, actually, right? The idea yeah. of, man, are you building something on the back of, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley and all these homegrown guys. Holy moly, is this going to be something? The best Indians teams, that's what it was. Jose Ramirez here from the jump. And I, I don't know, Ashley, if we should be like encouraging people to shake that, if it'll shake itself. 
in the AFC championship game when Deshaun Watson is throwing the go-ahead touchdown pass in the fourth quarter. But I think it is an inherent part of sports in cities like this. I know that I have felt it. And I don't know if it's been conscious or I think it's more in the back of my head. Because everything else, and the thing that's interesting about the Browns actually is everything else is homegrown. Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, you know, like Nick Chubb, right? So much of it, you know, you throw in a Kareem Hunt, but then like a John Johnson, the third, you throw him in, but that's not the same thing as a quarterback. So is it just something that like, this is going to be in the heads and hearts of Cleveland sports fans and it's never going to go away. And they just, but you just have to like, I don't know if get over, it's the right word, but deal with it when it comes to this quarterback. So I'm curious if you guys will agree with me on this, but I almost think because of everything that surrounds Deshaun Watson with the sexual misconduct allegations that this thought experiment does not apply to him. Like it's really hard for me to Mm. think about this in a vacuum because I think there is a segment of the fan base that like rightfully so is choosing not to, you know, root for this team the same way or choosing not to support Deshaun Watson because they don't agree with the off the field allegations that he faces. There's another segment of the fan base that has maybe made another decision. You know, this is a very, nuanced discussion I think um but because of the off the field stuff I think this thought experiment while I like it Doug and I I enjoy this topic for this podcast I don't know if you can actually apply it in practicality given everything that surrounds Deshaun Watson right now I think it's really hard to do that yeah it's much different Jimmy Garoppolo versus like it would be a different conversation I think than maybe Deshaun Watson uh but again we don't this is the big social experiment is going to be if and yeah. when the, in the Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson, what the reaction will be. And, you know, we'll find out. Uh, we've seen other players overcome things that they've done off the field, both here and obviously every other league ever. Um, but yeah, Deshaun Watson, just the gravity of it, the, the, you know, how many allegations, just, it's just really a, almost a unique situation at this point. Now, I will say, I think if these, if we are going to apply it in the vacuum and we're saying these allegations didn't exist, like Deshaun Watson just, you know, agreed to be traded here. He waived his no trade clause to come here. And after sitting out a year because he just didn't want to play in Houston anymore and none of this was going on, um, I do think Browns fans would not care. Like, I think maybe there would have been a segment of the quote unquote Baker bros on social media who would have been obviously very sad to see Baker Mayfield go. But I think once the wins would start coming, if Deshaun Watson didn't have this controversy, Browns fans wouldn't care. Like this is, I think, of the three professional teams here, no one will argue Mm. this is the most passionate Mm. of the fan bases when it comes to winning. It's the most starved for a title, I think. Um, You know, even when the Cavs won, like I remember the discussions in 2016 about, imagine if this was the Browns in the Super Bowl, like how crazy people went for the Cavs. Um, which in general, I think, you know, you saw LeBron leave and the interest kind of goes down and then it comes back up when they were good this year. But, you know, you, you see people getting back on the bandwagon. But I think Brown's interest never really wanes like that. So therefore, I think it's like the hungriest of the three teams. And you can't really argue that, that if you know anything about <laughs> Cleveland sports. The, the how you win decreases in relation to the desperation to win. Yeah. And, and the idea. Like I'm Extra sure diagraph. Some people, I, I, Ashley, I'm not here to talk about geometry. Is that geometry? Hold on. I'm going to draw. I'm going to draw a thing. You talk, Doug. I'm that, again, this, this is football podcasting at its finest. Ashley's yes. drawn math stuff. The, the, See, we're starting. The, oh, there we go. So, I, I mean, the idea of, um, Scott, I do think if you said in a vacuum, would you rather win a Super Bowl with a quarterback that your franchise drafted or win a, a I think it would be a lot more people would pick the guy that you drafted because then you're with them the whole way you develop. But like, that's not the question. It's are you know, does it any less exciting, any less meaningful if you win it with a quarterback who wasn't drafted, maybe I'll just send this topic. If there's anybody out there that likes the Denver Broncos, tell their podcast to do this topic because mm-hmm. there's aren't the complicating factors as part of this. But I do think the desperation, Scott probably nullifies most of it, but <laughs> This is is the bottom axis here. I believe this is the x-axis. No math teachers come for me. It says desperation. (laughs) And the y-axis going vertically says, don't care how you win. And as you can see, this is just a straight line going up. The more (laughs) desperate you get, 
the more you don't care how you win. Yes. Can you take a photo of that and I'll run it with the, col- the column I'm eventually going to write <laughs> on this topic? Um, but I, I, I do think, Scott, it is that that when you get to this point, it probably doesn't matter. It's I realized it, I think, this week that it is somewhere floating in my head. And I because I love roster building and I do think people I, but I do think part of it, too, is Scott is. The homegrown guys, Nick Chubb, Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, guys like that made this place attractive to allow them to maybe have a player who would agree to come here. Right. So it's not it's not that the homegrown stuff now has no value. It's just it's such a stark contrast that so much of everything else that they've done has been built from the ground up. And then the most important thing is you're dropping in a Pro Bowl player. That's just that stark contrast, but maybe that's exactly what Tampa did. They had everything but a quarterback. And as soon as they got a quarterback, they were ready to be a Super Bowl champion. So, yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, where they are right now, where they were um, before they right before they got Deshaun Watson is where they had hoped to be in 2018. Maybe, you know, you build you build the team up and then you add that quarterback. So you have like, you know. Chubb and Betonio uh, on, on all guys who are homegrown. You got Miles Garrett, um, you know, Denzel Ward, and you added uh, potentially JOK as, as one of those cornerstones on defense, um, you know, Greg Newsome. So there are guys here, that team has been built up, and then you drop in that that quarterback. And I don't know, would anybody have cared in 2018 if if they had gone out and gotten – somebody who had already established himself somewhere else as being that guy. I don't think so. If they had the team that was ready to, you know, have him plug in, whether it was a draft pick or some other guy, I don't, I don't know that that would have mattered. Um, It's hard having this conversation in Cleveland. I think is what this boils down to because it's such a unique, you know, we, there's only the 2016 Cavs championship and, you know, you go to Detroit and talk about the Lions, but you got the Pistons there, you know, you got the Tigers and you, these other cities have these other uh, sports franchises that have had success. And with Cleveland, it's just, you got that one <laughs> since 64. And uh, that's where I think the desperation thing comes in. And I'm just, I'm really eager to see what the reaction would be um, if they do win a, win a Super Bowl it, with, with Deshaun Watson. Cause it, I think, some of those things just start to fall away and, and maybe you enjoy it more than, than you thought you might. <laughs> Cause yeah, it hasn't happened in so long. But like you're saying, Doug, I mean, the interesting thing, the anomaly in my little chart that I drew is the fact like you bring up teams like the Yankees, right? Like they're not exactly desperate, but they, they really don't care either. Like that would be a straight vertical line going yeah. straight up on that end of the spectrum. I think that's that's a different story when you do have these large market fan bases. Um, baseball is really the best example of that, I think, that just don't care. I, and I'm, this is Ashley Bastock, three-team beat writer. I was so excited when you were going to go do some Guardian stuff because it's like <laughs> Ashley, as we know, has a full-time job covering the Browns. She has a part-time job covering the Cavs. Now she has a quarter-time job covering the Guardians. <laughs> <laughs> put in for overtime two two of the four games i was supposed to fill in for paul hoynes and joe nogan two of the four got rained out that's like, karma i that's like honestly that's- i did a great job picking those if you ask me <laughs> <laughs> to do the minimal amount of work just kidding and, um, and so i have an assignment for you scott you're good on this stuff too maybe you guys could do this together and i apologize if there's an obvious answer here that is not on the top of my head I did, got, I did not grow up in Cleveland. Who are the most popular Cleveland athletes ever that did not grow up in their professional careers mm. in the city? Mm. That Deshaun Watson would uh, be at, on that list. Like who else? Who else is on the top of that list? Who's the best Browns player before Deshaun Watson that did something pretty good somewhere else and then came here and was good and people were like, I love that guy. So it's like, all right, I, and I don't like Kevin Love would be an example, right? For yeah, the Cavs, like Kevin but I mean, Love. you know, and then I don't, I'm trying to think who some of the better, Larry I guess. Larry Nance would yeah. be on that Larry list. Larry Nance is a good, so I, this, I, this could be like a little Deshaun exercise, right? Like what he's trying to break into because, and I, and not that that's different in other cities, 
You know, I, I, I do think that's, especially cities like this, I think that's the norm, but I'm just trying to- I would say, I'll add one more really yeah. quick. Andrew Miller from the Indians. I think that's he's good. up there. People yeah. definitely uh, remember that 2016 run and then him winning MVP in the ALCS and all that. So, And there are people probably shouting names at this, which is good. Oh, yeah. So we're on the spot here. So be nice. To <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, it's, but it's, it's a, it's a thought exercise because sometimes yeah, there's obvious is. things that slip through the crack and that's good. That's good. We'll figure it out, but I yeah. think it might be a worthwhile endeavor. Again, we're trying to contextualize Deshaun Watson and his arrival here. And of course it's more complicated. Of course it's more complicated, but who, who's he, who are we're talking about guys who before. had a lot of success before they got here or well, just again, guys who... like Omar Vizquel, like does not qualify yeah. to me yeah. because it's like, he was, he had not, I think who had established themselves who maybe were good enough in another city where that city liked them. They don't have to be superstars, but it's like, Oh, they were good there. And now yeah. they're in Cleveland and now Cleveland fans are expected to love them the same way they love Joe Thomas or mm-hmm. Jim Tomey or, mm-hmm you know, LeBron James, the guys who, who came up here. So I don't even think Frank Ryan would be on that list. Cause he didn't, he wasn't a full-time starter before he got to mm-hmm. the Browns really. Yeah. And, um, yeah. That's, that's a small group of people. Um, so it, it can be a thought <laughs> exercise. I think it might be worth doing among the 9,000 things we're going to do between now yeah. and the start of the Brown season. So it'll be an Ashley Bastock, Scott Pasco collaboration. If you guys, I would say each spend 40 hours <laughs> each looking it up to make like a 10 person list that like 3000 people will read. That okay. would be yeah. 80 person hours into that Here's project. A, I have a deep cut Kai Hoskovy who, who may be like a very small percentage of our, our listeners will remember from the Cleveland force. He was a superstar before it came to the force. And then he just, you know, continued excelling and never got him a championship, but he's, he's a legend. Say that name again. Kai Hoskovy. Okay. Although, as it used to be uh, announced at the Richfield Coliseum, it was Kai Hoskivy. I, I can't do. I can't do. That. I think the guy who was the that announcer was, was good, on Scott. That was pretty good. for years. I would read why Deshaun Watson could be the next Kai Hoskivy. That's I think is the headline. <laughs> oh, he can only dream. For this, headline for this list. All right, we'll take a quick break here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Lamar Jackson, and then we're going to talk about food and watching stuff. We'll do that next after this. Doug Maurice, Ashley Bastock, Scott Patsko. Boy, you should be a Browns insider. Holy moly, guacamole. There is a lot happening. Um, we're here for you. Good, bad, crazy, interesting, fun. We're going to cover it. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns. You can sign up there. It's a great deal. Scott, Lamar Jackson, same class as Baker Mayfield, now entering his fifth year. He's like his own agent. He hasn't signed a long-term extension yet. He has an MVP. He had a bit of a weird year last year. We're outsiders here, but I know that like there's talk about like, is he setting up for a huge year and a contract year? Is he maybe getting ready to fall off the deep end and like not be who he was? It matters to the Browns and it's interesting to observe. We could talk about the contract stuff. We could talk about sort of expectations for him this year, but in general, we just had a weird quarterback situation here in Cleveland for as good as he's been and as good as they've been. It's kind of weird in Baltimore from the outside. What do you think of it? <laughs> yeah. The Browns have had the market cornered on weird quarterback stuff in this division for so long. It's like Baker Mayfield leaves and Lamar Jackson's like, I'm going to pick up this man. This is a torch or whatever. And I'm going to carry it high. I am going to get into arguments on social media with random people and uh, just, you know, create all sorts of unnecessary news. Um, it is weird. Uh, part of me thinks maybe he's looking at how much money Kirk Cousins has made over his career and thinks, I don't know, a couple of franchise tags and I leave and I go get a boatload of money from some other team. Um, that could work out very well because, uh, I mean, we have to expect that he's going to continue to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league um, over the next couple of years. Uh, and I know there's some controversy over uh, whether or not he's truly a top 10 quarterback. Um, he's just, he's a top 10 football player. I mean, whatever you want to call it, he's somebody who's dangerous and you have to, you know, build your game plan around. Uh, I think he'll excel wherever he goes. They're going to be smart enough to know what he does well. Um, 
but I just, if he signs, I mean, he's, if he signs or doesn't sign, I don't know. If he doesn't sign, it makes me think that maybe he, he has a sight set on like what, what, what's really the downside of me playing on this tag and this tag, and then keeping open the option to sign that long-term deal two years down the line. The, the thing that really interests me about it is that, again, when we did the whole Mayfield matrix exercise, right when the season ended, I kept saying there hadn't been in this era of first round quarterbacks, the only guys who had gotten to their fifth year on the having their rookie option picked up and not being extended were Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. And that's because their teams didn't want to do it. And then that wound up being the end of them in their cities. But this is the first guy where like the team wants to do it, but the player seemingly doesn't want to do it. And I wonder, Ashley, it's like, listen, we're not, we're not going to pretend that we're contract experts, but do you think it's disruptive to the team, Ashley? Like the one, the thing that th- to me that is matter, we're not asking every Browns fan does not have to monitor Lamar Jackson's bank account and the Ravens cap situation. But do you think this has any chance to have a negative effect on the football for the Baltimore Ravens this year? Or do you think it's more likely that it's like Lamar's like, Hey, I'm going to do this and then wait till you see what you're going to have to, you know, how do you think this might work out? I mean, I think like when you're talking about the quarterback situation like that, and you're talking about potential uncertainty, I think there's always a chance for it to be disruptive, right? Because I mean, again, Cleveland has kind of had the market cornered when it comes to quarterback drama, especially this offseason. And we talk about that all the time here. And like these guys who get asked these questions about the quarterback who obviously have nothing to do with Deshaun Watson coming here. And now they're kind of being forced to talk about it. And without being on the Ravens beat, I imagine it's going to get a to a point like that for some of those guys um, as as this drags on. So, yeah, I am really, really curious to kind of see if it does impact them. I think I'm leaning towards maybe it won't since it's a different kind of situation. But I mean, the the big question for me that I can't shake is how much of him, you know, he says he wants to be in Baltimore for his career. He wants to finish his career there. How much does this Deshaun Watson contract kind of impact his thinking yeah. and impact his thinking of, well, how much money can I get if Cleveland is going over there and paying this guy $230 million guaranteed and I don't have all this stuff around me and I'm a former league MVP, something that Deshaun Watson is not. Um, so I think for for me, that's that's the big question. And I almost think in honor of Ray Liotta's recent passing, I think of that one line in Goodfellas. Do you guys know the line I'm thinking of? That I think this is Lamar Jackson's mindset right now. Hmm. F you it- pay me. Oh my. <laughs> Ray, Liotta, Ray Liotta doesn't say F you. He says the actual word, of course. Can I say F you on this podcast, Doug? You're like, the, uh, you know, is that allowed? I don't know. I'm just filling in for Dan. Can we not be doing that? All the backup host is here. We can cut that part out. But I do think we keep it real I, here. I do think that's like the kind of the mentality, right? Like it's hard to ignore. It's in his same division. Why wouldn't Deshaun Watson getting this massive contract kind of impact what Lamar Jackson thinks he should be making? I mean, and I think you're right. It seems like it has. Like, is that some kind of little bonus, Scott, for the Browns? It's like, hey, everyone maybe thinks we paid this guy too much, whatever, but we sure screwed up the Ravens negotiations. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure Andrew Barry doesn't really mind that uh, other teams are kind of, you know, could be frustrated or just, you know, having to face more challenges of getting people signed. I mean, there's also the situation that uh, he, he skipped OTAs, which is, again, just adds another level of weirdness to this thing. If If he's the one who's kind of controlling whether or not he signs. And then he, he's also skipping OTAs, but then he shows up mini camp and says that he wants to be there long term. It's just very weird. And um, again, I'm sure Browns fans are looking at, you know, sipping their Kermit the frog tea. And it's like, you know, (laughs) not my concern. It's, you know, have fun with that. We got our own problems. I do think there was not to keep, talking about a series of stories that we did six months ago that now don't matter because the guy's gone. But the thing that interests me about that idea once the thought exercise with Baker Mayfield back then is there just had been a sort of a pattern to how you handled first round quarterbacks in this era with the way the contracts were structured once they added the fifth year option for the first rounders. And I do think maybe that we're at the end of that, that we're at the end of there's kind of a way this stuff works out because some people are suggesting, you know, Maybe even if your quarterback's pretty decent, you don't even pick up the fifth year option 
And if he's not a superstar, you let him go after four years and try it again. That maybe from that standpoint, the team should change how they do it. And now here's a player who's an MVP and a Pro Bowl caliber player who's suggesting, well, I'm not just going to sign a long term thing like in year three or four. I'm going to try to push this further and maybe as you said scott go play on a couple tags and then control my own destiny a little bit more and have a little more freedom but then also push the envelope on my contract we're we're maybe at the end of sort of a routine way of doing business with first round quarterbacks which is why it stuck out to me about baker that it was not the norm it sort of went against routine but maybe routine doesn't exist anymore so i will say i do think i understand the lamar thing in a world where he sort of had a goofy year last year, right? He was dealing with health stuff. He All his running backs got hurt. Hollywood Brown, as it turned out, clearly like did not really want to be there, did not love it. His number one receiver didn't have that relationship. So for him to wait, get a reset maybe with his running backs, J.K. Dobbins and everybody else back. Now Rashad Bateman's going to be your number one, I guess, right? I don't know. Like that's a little iffy too. If we're talking about do the Browns have enough receivers, certainly you can talk about that even more with the Ravens. But I guess, Ashley, it's like if, if, if this is a bet on yourself, the thing, not that Browns fans are nervous about it, but I think the idea of Lamar didn't like how last year went and he's going to wait and lay this down, lay down year five, and then see what happens. That maybe makes me wonder, is he going to win the MVP again? Like, I, yeah. like there's a part of it that is like, are we, are we headed towards something extra? Yeah. Which is not a unique, I mean, we, we mm-hmm. talk about contract years in every sport, right? He's, he's in a contract year now, as it turns out. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a possibility, right? Because he would have more leverage. I mean, again, we all know how we said it constantly last year that that Ravens team is not really who the Ravens are. And they're going to be much tougher this year, as long as they're healthy. And I think that's true. Like if that's an element of it too, it's understandable. But I I just think from, from everything we've heard about this, like, I think it's, it's multiple reasons, right? Like it's probably some combination of all these reasons that we're talking about that he's holding out, but that's certainly a possibility now that they're going to be, you know, hopefully closer to full strength for them. Uh, because last year, you know, of course the, the infamous why asking John Harbaugh, why he decided to go for two or, you know, to try to win the game instead of prolonging it into overtime. And he's like, cause we didn't have any more corners, like just straight up pure, pure personnel issues for them last year. So um, if that's a gamble he wants to make, like that's, I think, sort of a reasonable risk to take because things can't get much worse than they did last year. There are some similarities here though, to Aaron Rodgers uh, too. Um, I mean, of course he was coming off an MVP season and then there was the off season of craziness. And then he goes out and has another MVP season, signs a huge deal or extension. Um, you know, again, that goes to maybe, you know, Lamar Jackson goes out and kind of reverts to his MVP form and, he gets a big deal and they all live happily ever after um, or as happily as they can. Yeah. They even traded away uh, Aaron Rodgers is top wide receiver. So um, just a lot of weird similarities here. Potentially. No, that that's a, that's a good comparison. I do think as long as, you know, Baltimore can keep it from becoming franchise versus player. If yeah. it's just like, listen, it's business. We love you. You say you want to be here. This is a little wonky. We get it, but let's win while we're figuring this out. I think it has a chance for them to have a very good year. If you wind up adversarial, right, where you're you dislike each other while you're working together, that's a problem. So please, no one comment on this podcast when I'm on it. I can't. I was like right there for Ashley waiting to be like, you mean like this when you're. So as, as long as it's they're on the same page, which they, if I think they are right now, I think it'll be OK. All right. Enough football. I have a lot of I, I, I even like had to write down what I'm going to talk about because I have so many things that I'm watching and eating. And as Scott said, often simultaneously, let's let's it, when we do this, we do this on Buckeye Talk. Nathan Baird and I do this. It is watching first. What you watching? What you eating? So let's talk about watching. First of all, Ashley Bastock. What have you been watching? And if you just want to talk about your favorite movie from when you were 11 years old, that's fine, too. It doesn't have to be, you know, that one of those things where people say, you know, the name of your cat is the last movie you watched. And it's always like, you know, <laughs> it's such a weird thing you know, on Twitter or whatever. What? So, you know, how you does- know, most of those are like just scams to like <gasps> get you to, you know, reveal 
your security answers, like the que- the answers to your security questions, like common security questions. For like they'll real? say, oh, like your name is your first pet's name and the street you grew up on. Like, where do you hear those questions a lot mm-hmm. in like your bank security uh, questions? Doug's so brain is just exploding here. Do not do those people. <laughs> That's some free advice for me. They're just, they're just scams. Um, what? So, Anyways, there are. I feel like I need to get off this podcast and check my passwords. (laughs) You do, Doug. Go update everything as soon as we get off. Um, So, the first thing I want to talk about, because I know Scott will love my answer for this. Um, Doug, you might too. I actually don't know. Um, I have been re watching all of the Marvel movies in release order. So, I just watched Spider Man Homecoming. So, I'm on Thor Ragnarok. I have not seen the new Thor yet. So, no spoilers. but yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying that. I never actually did that. And I think like in the early stages of Marvel, especially I had like missed some um, when they were first released. So I'm just really, I don't know. It's just super easy to dive into the Marvel Cinematic Universe that way. I got a podcast fired up that I listened to too about all the movies as well. So um, it's a fun, fun time. I feel very immersed right now. Do I use... Go ahead, Scott. I am so invested in the Marvel universe at this really? point. I like I cannot stop. Have you included like the TV shows in your rewatch? So I am going to. That was a debate. Like, are you talking about like WandaVision and like, yeah, like those? all the, so, all the yeah, Disney like, Plus stuff? All of those I've seen, like I watched as those were coming out. But I think I'm going to rewatch them. And I think like it'll just be different. Like I'll catch more things that I may have missed because of movies I had missed or because it had been a long time since I'd seen certain movies. Um, and especially like I haven't even seen the new Doctor. I haven't seen Multiverse of Madness yet mm. either. Um, so I haven't seen that or the new Thor. So I wanted to rewatch WandaVision before I watch that since I know that's going to be like a big part of it. Yeah, see, I got to a point where I realized I'd seen like I don't know, maybe it was by the time they got to the uh, to the full Avengers movies, like I've seen all these and there's a couple here. So I had to go back and watch them. And then it's it's just I realized I just got to keep watching them. Yeah. (laughs) And there's a new TV show. out. Okay, I'm going to watch that. And then I have to, you know, go watch this movie. Then I come back to this. And yeah, I'm all I'm all caught up. I just uh, finished the the Miss Marvel, which just Mm, ended mm -hmm. recently. Um, but yeah, it's, I feel like if I stop, it's like I've failed somehow. I just need to keep going <laughs> and see where this goes. Because exactly, yeah, I feel too much like time I have and to effort know, so far. I know. I feel like I have to know everything, and I feel like unless you see everything, you can't like fully appreciate what you're watching later on. So right. that's kind of like why this started. Like I just kind of wanted that complete knowledge base, and I'm one of those people that too. Like sometimes with these movies, I think like the and I know this is kind of a criticism of the Marvel movies that the fight sequences can be kind of long and sometimes they're not done super well so they they make certain I think they've made in the past certain movies for me forgettable but kind of binging them has helped with that I think and helping to remember like the main plot points and and I'm not like a I never read like the comic books or anything so I don't have that like base of knowledge that a lot of people have um, but of course they're they're fun movies like what's better than like the summer blockbusters like going to see a marvel movie the last like god 15 years basically there's yeah. there's been at least one coming out every summer aquaman's in those or no that's dc i like aquaman come on get it straight marvel dc so, you're a disney fan how do you not know the <laughs> no difference? but no but just because disney buys something yeah, it just says like, oh, Which it's might Disney be like now. The best the acquisition ever in the history of entertainment. Like that might be the best deal ever done in Hollywood. We talk about deals a lot. That might be the best one. Well, that was Star that's Wars. an insane they deal. They buy everything. They bought the they, Muppets yeah. too. I don't know if it's better than buying the Muppets. So <laughs> I would watch if there was a Muppets universe to the oh my god if there was a Muppets universe to the extent of the Marvel universe where it was like have you guys seen all thirty seven Muppet movies and oh there's god. like there's the Fozzie movie and there's the Gonzo mm. movie Could and there's you? the Scooter movie oh this is a fun exercise and I've seen this on social media before and this I don't think is a scam but if you had to pick one movie to replace all of the cast members with Muppets, except, oh, yeah. what, except one person, like, except for, like, the main person, what movie would it be? Yeah, Infinity Wars. 
Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> but who would be who would be the human? Who would be the human? Because you get one human still from the original cast of the movie. Captain and then America. All the rest are Muppets. Oh yeah. No, maybe, maybe. No, it would. Go ahead. The one human would be um, Samuel L. Jackson. I can't remember his name now. Oh yeah, Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah. And then all Muppets. Yeah, I would Muppets. watch that for sure. Because yeah, he'd I'm, swear at him. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not as much into the Marvel universe. I like dipping in in the ones where it's like yeah. every single person's in the there. Avengers yeah. movie. But then, yeah. other than that, I'm good. My daughter is actually rewatched. Has I came down the other day and she was watching Iron Man. Is Iron Man the first one? And she was. Yeah. He was doing this. Are you when you're watching them? Isn't there like a chronological order of there how is. they happen in the world? Too. Is that yeah. better than watching them in the order in which they came out? I've never done that. I know if you go to Disney Plus, they actually have them laid okay. out in that yeah. order, like that you can do the chronological timeline rewatch. Um, I just wanted to do the release order rewatch because I had never done that before. Um, and it's also confusing. I think the chronological one would get confusing. You would have to have a second source because they do not have the Spider-Man movies on Disney Plus because right. like Sony also has some rights that I don't know. It's a whole rights thing that's confusing. So you'll have to figure out where those fit in. But COVID <sighs> messed up some of this too because release dates were pushed back. And mm-hmm. so now when you watch something with Marvel, you have to think, all right, what timeline is this? And sometimes mm-hmm. they give you hints, but um so that's always yeah. like you're not really sure that's starting to Start- feel like homework it's starting to feel like homework yeah. yeah it's definitely work i would say speaking, the, of, uh, go ahead, say, speaking of the muppets i tried to go back and because i'm old enough to have watched the muppet show when it was on originally oh. i went back and uh and tried to re-watch it and watching some of those early episodes i'm like this i i can't sit through this i think i'm it, i just i just got through maybe like four or five episodes and, and I had to stop. It just wasn't like you remember certain skits they did that became famous, you know, but then uh, like Pigs in Space or, or whatever. And but like the, the the totality of that show, if you just go back and watch the whole thing, you're just like, oh, this is a kind of hard to get through. <laughs> Maybe you have a different feeling, Doug. Um, well, that part we're going to cut out. That unnecessary sideswipe <laughs> at the Muppets is definitely being edited out. Scott, as opposed to. So is that your what you're watching? Yours is I watched um, old no, Muppet shows um, and I hated them. I hated no, my childhood. No, no, I loved the Muppet show. Um, no, and I mean I could easily say like anything that has to do with Marvel or there's a lot of Star Wars stuff that's been on recently. But for me, the thing I'm watching right now is Westworld, which is oh, back yeah, on. It is, which had been off for like it feels like a decade. That thing went away. God, um, I was trying to remember when the third season even aired. Was it during COVID? Was it pre-COVID? I think I it was. No sense of time. I don't know. I think it was pre, and then or right <laughs> at the beginning. Yeah, when you think but, about it, very fitting for that show to not have a sense of time of when it aired. Yeah, it, I mean, the first season was great. Mm-hmm. The second season was confusing. Like, I would watch that season, and then I would go and look for, like, there were people who would do yeah. stories about what you just saw to help yeah. explain Basically, what you just saw. So, so you'd watch it, and then I'd, like, literally turn it up, get on my phone, and, like, read the recap, and, like, oh, okay, that's what that meant, and... It's very, it's a, you really have to think, but this season is, is not as confusing. It's, it's a lot better. Um, they're back in a park again. And uh, I haven't watched the most recent episode mm-hmm. yet, mm-hmm. but, um, but I, I like it uh, a lot better. And I did the last couple episodes or last couple seasons, but so it's, it's definitely say- something you have to like really be paying attention. It's not a show you can have on in the background, no. you know, or just kind of half pay attention to, um, there, there's going to be some rewinding and rewatching and definitely some, some reading, uh, reading about what you just saw after the fact, but it's, it's entertaining. I will say for me, the chart of how I've enjoyed Westworld does go the opposite <laughs> of our, it goes like this. Like I really liked it at the beginning. I, I do agree with you though. This season is better than last season, but, um, it, it just felt like they kind of lost their way last season yeah. a little bit. Like once they left the parks, but I- I'm worried about Doug because I know that the, the, that the content not... of Westworld probably terrifies him. And I'm guessing he has never seen an episode or if he, is... if he did, he turned it off as soon as he realized what he was watching. Doug, so, do you have a fear of robots taking over the world? Do I have a fear of robots taking over the world? Have you I mean, ever it's listened a valid to fear. talk? It's a valid fear. 1000% the revolution is coming. Watch your back. 
Yes. I watched the first episode, the first season of Westworld, because the first season of Westworld is we're humans. The robots are here for our literal pleasure. And then sometimes we kill the robots, but who cares? Because they're robots. And then we got to the end of season one. It was like, oh, you're supposed to root for the robots now against the humans. (laughs) And I have never watched another episode. Am I supposed to still root for the robots in season three against the horrible humans? Season two, you would not make it past like the first 15 minutes of the first episode. Who roots Scott? Scott! Are you a robot? I'm not a robot. Look, there's different. You don't have to root for all the robots. No. I will admit there are robots you do not want to root for, but there are some that, um, you know, have have gotten to the point of empathy and are trying to help humanity. And they're made made of wires. Fan favorites. uh, Listen, there are some humans. We don't know what they're made of now, but there's some there's some humans you don't want to root for either. But on the whole, I am (laughs) pro human. Team human, anti-robot. So don't the show. You know who? If you want to make a show where you're supposed to root for the robots to beat the to murder the humans, then try to get robots to watch it. How about that, Westworld? Good luck with your robot Nielsen ratings. I'm not watching it because guess what? I am. I'm a human. Doesn't the idea of taking your consciousness and putting it in a robot body and potentially living forever does that does that do anything for you? No, that sounds pretty good. If my choice is dead or robot, I guess I'd rather be a robot. If my choice is living human or robot, I'm always with the living humans. Are so you when- okay with the existential crisis, though, of, and this has happened in the show, of not knowing you're a robot, like thinking you're a human and then discovering you're actually What is the a nature host? of your existence? Yeah. Are you like, okay with, how do you think you would handle that existential crisis, Doug? If I, if it's not, it's because you know what? It's not going to ever happen to me because I'm a human and I know it. Cut me and are. I bleed, Ashley. That's what you think. Cut me and the, I bleed. The no. robots also bleed in Westworld. That's not the, that's not. By the, the way, season test. three, season three, the humans did not realize that they did not have free choice that they thought they had. Mm-hmm. And you're watching this for enjoyment. <laughs> now you go out into the world and now you have entered the thought in your head for enjoyment. Um, what if I'm not actually a human? My God. Saying Thanks maybe Andrew Barry isn't totally in, in control of his, <laughs> of his choices. Maybe the no. commissioner of the NFL no. isn't con- totally in control of his choices. You know what's you a good know. show? Curb your enthusiasm. All that's humans. Show. Human, 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 human. Right. Doug, you are the most Larry David-like on this podcast, for sure. Yes. <laughs> I don't know you how are. to take that. I don't know how to take it's, that. It's a compliment. I like Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's a compliment. I'm trying to think what your nobody, big nobody on, season would be. Nobody on the show likes Larry David, but no. from the outside. No. All right, we'll take a quick break. I'll come back with my watching, and then we'll get to our Eaton next on the Orange and Broad Talk podcast. Doug Scott and Ashley back. So this is something very, this is one of my favorite movies. My daughter's going off to college in the fall. There's a couple of movies. I just say, you know what? We should watch some movies. There's some movies you haven't seen that I think you should watch before you go off to college. And this is not particularly like a super famous movie. It's one of my favorite movies though. And I like the way that it's constructed and I like the way it makes you think. And it's the prestige. Have you guys seen the prestige? No. Oh, it's Christopher Nolan movie. Christopher Nolan, you know, in inception dark Knight guy right he's the yeah. batman so it's uh it's that but one of the other things and i have reached this point do you guys watch stuff with the closed captioning on because you can't hear anymore because you know scott you do i do yeah my daughter my kids hate watching with the closed captioning on i love watching with the closed captioning on because then you don't miss anything so we were starting to watch the prestige and i had the closed captioning on and my daughter was like please take that off i was like fine we'll take it off and then it came in and the very first thing in the prestige is michael kane talking you guys know michael kane yes. and the beginning of the prestige it goes and we couldn't understand a single word that he said. And I was like, see, that's why you need the closed captioning on. So then we put it on. It was the most unintelligible thing I've ever heard anyone in an English movie say. <laughs> and I, now I sound like Adam Sandler doing it. He was just, you do. he was, he was maybe I'm not, I, he, was so, he was so British. 
It was the most British thing you've ever heard. But it's a great, it's a, it's at the turn of the century, like late 1800s. It's about two magicians. It's Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. David Bowie's in it. I don't, I don't want to give that away. Mm. It's like really good. But you, it's one of those where you have to pay attention. And there's like a thing. There's a plot that drives it. But it's also, there's a little bit of a like, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. And you kind of don't know what the deal is. And it's a good look at Christopher Nolan. And um, I just like things where like there's the story, but then there's the order of how you put the story together and how you construct it. And the way he constructs it, it's not first this, then this, then this. There's a lot of like back and forth in time and, and flashbacks and flash forwards and that kind of thing. But it's grounded with these this Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale, these performances. Um, that's true. It's one of my ten favorite movies, and my daughter really liked it. And she's young, and I'm old. So if you guys have not seen The Prestige, I would line it up this weekend and knock it out because, like, it is you know it's one of those movies. They don't make a ton of movies like that anymore. Where you know it's it's Wolverine. Let me put this in context, Ashley. It's Wolverine without the claws. Okay. Uh, with so Batman. that helped. And it's Batman without the cape. So, but neither of you guys have ever seen it. No. Is this the movie where Christian Bale like went off on somebody on the set and oh, like, that became like this yeah. big thing? Oh, He's maybe. Screaming at it. like crew people or something. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe. I'll I have to check it out though. Yeah. No. So I would recommend that. All right. Eat. Oh, one thing about closed captioning, by the way. If you if you haven't watched Stranger Things, watch it with closed captioning because there are some of the best ever um, gross noise descriptions <laughs> ever. Oh, yeah. And uh, the closed captionings for Stranger Things. Uh, oh, I, I it's love very it. enjoyable. And sometimes <laughs> there are people like uh, they'll purposefully, you know, shows or movies have people whispering in the background and you can't hear them. But the closed captioning tells you what they're saying. You yeah. pick up little clues sometimes. But also mm-hmm. my favorite thing, it always says like when there's kind of like a hubbub and it's just background noise and it says indistinct chatter. Mm-hmm. which is that's my number one horse name. If I ever buy a horse indistinct, indistinct chatter. chatter. Oh my God. What a name. <laughs> that horse is winning the triple crown tomorrow. Also, I should probably host a podcast called indistinct chatter because yes. there you yeah. go. <laughs> what are we doing here? Uh, all right, Scott, what are you eating? Oh my gosh. What am I not eating? Um, <laughs> I've been trying to lose weight. So I've been eating a lot of things that people aren't going to be interested in, but I know that uh, one thing that I do eat way too much and I'm sure Ashley might have even seen me eating it, is anything from Pulp, the yeah. smoothie place. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, I I go to Pulp a lot. I get the green tea smoothie a lot. There are three Pulps within about the same distance from me. And I've had to like rotate them because at the first Pulp, I became the green tea guy. And like it got to a point where they knew what I was going to order when I went in. And I felt weird about that. And then, the, and then I started ordering like, like something like a protein packer. So I had like bananas and chocolate and um, yogurt and all this stuff. It's really good. But then I ordered that a lot at, at this other one. And it got to the point where there was one of the girls who worked behind the counter. Like she would start making it before I actually got oh. up to the thing. It started. So I became protein packer guy. And I'm not sure. And it freaked me out because then I'm like, well, can I come here anymore? Uh, is that something I should aspire to be? The guy who... They know whose order it is, yeah, or is like, that not something depends. I should aspire to be? I think some people do aspire to be regular, like known as a regular at some places. But I think I'm kind of with you. I would not want to be known as a regular. Like, does that mean I go there too much? Yeah, no, you're like Norm for the modern era. <laughs> mm-hmm. They slide your protein yes. shit down the it's, counter to you. That's okay. <laughs> I also love pulp. Um, yes, I get. I always get the ultimate acai smoothie there. Acai. My yeah, my daughter uh, drinks acai like twenty four hours a day. Yeah, and it's like weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I forget the whole thing with like how they grow it. Like it doesn't last very long. So basically, when it's like grown in like the Amazon or like somewhere tropical, and they have to pick it and freeze it like immediately, otherwise it like goes bad and loses all its nutrients. So that's why you can't like buy it in the grocery store. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So Scott has a perhaps unhealthy smoothie addiction. Yes, but perhaps, <laughs> perhaps wonderful. Perhaps, perhaps it's opening yes. him up to a world of new experiences. Ashley, what are you eating? Um, so I'm going to stick with something I ate this weekend because I am like a fiend for area Greek festivals. I love a good Greek festival. I will go to them basically anytime there is one. 
Um, and like my dad was Greek. His mom immigrated from Greece when she was a child. So I, you know, I am Greek, which is why I think I appreciate it. And this weekend I went to St. Paul's Greek festival in North Royalton, which I didn't know there was one out there. Marla Ridenauer, shout out to her of the Akron Beacon Journal told me about it because she knows my obsession with them. The food there was amazing. I got pastizio, which was like, it's um like this Greek lasagna almost. It's kind of, that's the best way to describe it, except the noodles are like more noodle shaped. It's not like the flat lasagna, lasagna noodles. Um, it's kind of hard to explain the shape of them if you, but look it up, look it up if you're not familiar with it. Um, but my favorite thing to get there is lukumades, which are the little Greek donuts. So it's just like mm. a ball of fried dough. And they put fresh honey on them and cinnamon and nuts. And it is like the perfect pastry. You have to get them. They're best when they're fresh. But man, it is like worth any kind of cheat day you are having. I do have a picture of them. Hold on. Like, look at those. Was that on your Twitter? Yeah. You can see it on my Twitter. Look at them. They They are so good. They're so good. So that's what I ate this weekend. And I will, you know trying to be healthy. So we'll have to make up for that somehow. I'm sure. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I'm trying to be healthy. So I ate Greek donuts. Um, I did eat that. I still ate them, but like, you know, we're not going to have sweets for a while. It's the weekend. I don't think calories in the weekend count. So I think you're good to go. Um, (laughs) So this is, I'm comparing this to to a football thing to wrap this up, what I've been eating. This reminds me of when the Browns had the first pick in the draft and I really was in on Baker Mayfield being the guy for them to pick. And then I went to cover Ohio state and USC in the cotton bowl when Sam Darnold was a USC quarterback. And for that week, you know, it's like, I was writing stuff. Hey, Sam Darnold, like from a Browns perspective, you know, is this a guy that they could pick number one? And I was going around, you know, talking to all his teammates and talking to all his coaches and, learning about Sam Darnold. And I started to be like, I might be into Sam Darnold here. And for like a week, I was into Sam Darnold. And then I got back and then I went back to Baker Mayfield. And that is reminding me at the moment of where I am with peanut butter. And peanut butter is like my number one thing that I eat. I eat peanut butter every single day. Sometimes I eat it for breakfast. Sometimes I eat it for lunch. Sometimes I eat it both. When I was in school, I took a peanut butter sandwich, no jelly, as my sandwich every day for how long is I in school? 17 years? Every day, <laughs> peanut butter sandwich. So I've always been a Jif guy and I like the smooth Jif. But then Jif had the thing where I don't know, Jif Mur was going to murder you if you tried to eat Jif peanut butter. I don't know what was the thing. They found squirrel parts in it or something. Yeah, I don't know. there was a re- <laughs> there was, was a recall, is the technical yeah. term. Yeah. yeah, that thing. So then yeah. then uh I got skippy, but when I get skippy, I like the crunchy. So I like Mm. the smooth GIF. I like the crunchy Skippy. And I am currently in a crunchy Skippy Sam Darnold phase. (laughs) And I don't know if and when I'll go back to my smooth GIF Baker Mayfield phase. And this is like a huge deal for me because I'll still, if I don't know what else to eat for lunch, I'll rip out a peanut butter sandwich. No problem. Sometimes I have like the peanut butter on English muffin for breakfast. I am constantly, I, the other day on Buckeye talk, Stephen means was making fun of me. I had a giant bugs bunny carrot. That's what everybody calls a giant carrot. When you eat the whole carrot and you don't cut up in pieces, everyone calls it a bugs bunny carrot, right? Bugs bunny carrot. Is that I not what everyone so. calls it? Everyone calls I, it that, right? That's what everyone yeah. calls it. I had a bugs yeah. bunny You're carrot. Just eating a whole carrot. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I peel it. Does it have, it. like, the, the stem on it? No, I, okay. I peel it, and I cut the ends, you know, I cut the top off, and I wash it, but I don't cut it up in pieces because then I just dip it in the peanut butter jar and eat the carrot with – no one else in my house eats peanut butter, so I can have a whole peanut butter I jar. I think they just call it a carrot, but, yeah. No, but but <laughs> but a lot of times you cut up a carrot into smaller pieces. Yes. I'll say to my kids, do you want a Bugs Bunny carrot? Now, it's not quite Bugs Bunny because, like, it doesn't have the things on the end, but it implies – I think if you looked it up in Urban Dictionary and you looked up Bugs Bunny carrot, it would say a whole carrot. I mean, so, I hope that's what it says, but truly, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. So, Careful with the Urban Dictionary. So, I'm not going to do that on my work computer, which I'm currently on, just to yeah. be safe. So anyway, I'm just I'm in this crunchy skippy phase and I don't know. I don't know if Jif has lost me forever. I feel bad for Jif. That whatever it was, I think it was robot contamination, probably some of the the robots got in there and messed it up. But, you know, that's where I am. And it's very important to me because peanut butter is probably the most important food in my life. 
I got a question. If Darnold is the crunchy peanut butter and Baker's the smooth, what is Josh Allen? Josh Allen yeah. was probably my wife gets this peanut butter that is like organic peanut butter and it has this layer of oil on the top. Yeah. And then you have mm. to mix it yourself. It's and good. I'm like, organic peanut butter is good. But yeah. but when I look at organic peanut butter, I take one look at organic peanut butter and I'm like, that is not for me. And then there are people who say, well, that's Josh Rosen then. No, yeah. but but then if you mix it up, uh, it's yes. better for you. Yes. And actually, it tastes pretty good oh, yes. if you give it a chance. So which me, that is your Josh. Allen. That is my well, Josh sure. Allen. And then probably, I mean, Lamar Jackson is probably jelly because you put Lamar Jackson in with something and he makes everything better. No, he's it's the, like he's the peanut butter and jelly in a jar. He's right? the peanut butter and the jelly yeah. mixed together. And I was yes. just blind to it. Right? What is Josh Rosen then? Josh Rosen is Nutella. That it's like it's it's like I don't want that. It's, it's not this, peanut butter. It's not yeah. peanut butter, and it's like from another country, and it's weird and strange. And it's, <laughs> it's the jar you find in the back here, covered <laughs> that you got like it expired two years ago. So anyway, um, yeah, I was not. I should have been more open to either the organic peanut butter or the jelly and peanut butter mixed together, and I missed on both of them. And mm-hmm. here I am now, mm-hmm. left between creamy Jif and crunchy Skippy, which are both. Fine, but not as good as the other things. Let that be a lesson to all of us. Hmm. All right. I hope we didn't just learn about movies and TV shows and food here. I hope we learned something about ourselves. Um, what kind of peanut butter is your quarterback? <laughs> again, now I'm upset that I missed that in 18. That could have been like when we were like on the 493rd story about the quarterbacks in that draft. Comparing them to peanut butter probably would have gotten me on BuzzFeed or something. Uh, oh, a thousand percent. That was peak like time for BuzzFeed articles yeah. like that, too. So that's what you're watching, what you're eating. We like to do, you know, you do a little bit of the local team, a little bit of the big picture nationally, and then you talk about what you're watching and what you're eating. If you like it, maybe we'll do it again on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. If you don't like it, we do it on Buckeye Talk, and you can ignore it there, too. So um, we'll be back <laughs> later in the week. Dan will continue to be off. We'll continue to be doing this. We have some other, like, you know, working our way through the big questions for the Browns and some other things. Whatever it is, we know you guys are going to be here with us because you make the Orange and Brown Talk podcast part of your lives. And for that, we are very grateful. For Scott Pasco and Ashley Bastock, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. 